I'm looking at a picture of Kyle Chalmers. You know who he is. He's the Australian champion swimmer in the Olympics, and um, he's he's just finished a heat in the pool. He's standing there, and his body is a rippled body, I might say. Can only envy it as another male. Um, is covered with these round circles. The, the, you're saying to yourself, "What's he got? Some kind of giant chicken pox? I don't know." No, if you don't know what they are, they're the result of cupping. And cupping has been around for, well, it's probably been around since uh, ancient times. But they're using it because there's a belief that it has uh, a positive effect on oxygenation of the blood and so forth. I don't know if that's true, but uh, it's falling under a heading called pseudoscience. Pseudoscience... um, is uh look cupping is using glass cups and burning herbs to create a partial vacuum over the skin leaves behind characteristic bruises these bruises you see and uh, they're like hickeys you know and and cupping is supposed to draw toxins and improve the blood flow and um because those are the common fake claims often invoked in any dubious treatment they come under the heading of uh pseudoscience and uh, as do things like kinesio taping and breathing strips, nasal strips for breathing and hydration via intravenous as opposed to drinking water. And, you know, I, I look at it and I go, these guys are professional athletes and they are the most professional athletes that were there, unprofessional technically. But in terms of what they do, they're the best in the world. They go to the Olympics for that reason. But there's a guy out there who we've spoken to before. We're going to speak to him again, named Timothy Caulfield. He is Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy and star of Netflix's A User's Guide to Cheating Death on Pseudoscience. And I I think we're talking about pseudoscience, but I'm not sure. Timothy, help me out. We're talking about pseudoscience. (laughs) Bingo! There it is. Thank you, Tim. It was great having you on. No, uh... (laughs) <laughs> in, in all seriousness, we've talked before. We had a good time last time. I thought we'd have a good time this time. But I'm, I'm looking at uh, at Chalmers, for example, and and he's uh, he is a, a big swim champion, but he's full of these round bruises from cupping. Is cupping doing him any good, or is it, does he just look like a clown? So you know, it's actually a complex question. So is it doing him any good? You know, perhaps because there's the placebo effect. Uh, yeah. Perhaps because he might have some kind of pre-race ritual and, and getting cupping done is, is, is part of that. Is there any measurable physiological benefit to cupping? No, there's not. And, and it, is, it really is a pseudoscience. Um, and uh, it is, it's based on this idea that we have this life force energy that runs through our bodies and we can manipulate that life force energy using various techniques and cupping being one of them. More recent times, as cupping became more popular, especially after the Rio Olympics, Michael Phelps had the marks all over his body. You know, as you said, these are pretty impressive bodies, which sort of add to the advertising effect of of cupping. But uh, we started to get you know research on it, uh, done on it more, and they and they layered on these these more sort of scientifically plausible mechanisms of action that they're drawing blood to the affected areas. But there's really no evidence to support it. At all, but but you know the other thing I find fascinating is, as you said off the top, you know when athletes do it, these are in, incredible uh, specimens of of humanity, right? You know, sure. The best, you know, that we're at the talking about the tail end of the bell curve. 
So when they do something, it's a really powerful testimonial. It's a really powerful anecdote, right? So what happened after the Rio Olympics, which I often call the cupping Olympics, um, <laughs> cupping became incredibly popular. Every, everyone was doing it. And, and, you know, I've tried it myself for the purposes of research, and, and it is an unusual sort of experience, kind of relaxing, and you do get these very dramatic marks uh, on your back, but no evidence to support it, but a good example of the power of, of these athletic testimonials. Well, I want that life force to come out in me because right now I'm, I'm feeling, you know, it's, it's kind of lackluster. And, and there's a piece of me that actually thinks from a placebo point of view, if, if something works and creates the placebo effect, in other words, I believe that it works and I get more strength or stamina or whatever I believe is happening out of it. And I, and I perceive that it is, then that's, I, I guess that, I guess I'd go ahead. I mean, if Chalmers thinks that he's winning medals because he put some herbs in a cup and has a bunch of great big funny looking bruises on his body, God love him. He's not hurting anybody. Yeah, I, I, I agree and disagree with you, right? So, so I agree with you in the sense that, you know, with an athlete, and, I, and by the way, I'm a, I'm a huge Olympic sports fan. Um, you know, I, I was very involved in athletics myself. You know, I, I get it, right? You know, you want to do whatever you can uh, to be the best. And there's actually some really interesting research about the power of the placebo effect in the context of athletic performance. There was an interesting study with sprinters where they gave them a drink that they told them would make them faster, and lo and behold, it did make them faster, even though, it, you know, there was no, no actual active ingredient in the drink. So the placebo effect really matters. On the other hand, on the other hand, in this era of, of misinformation, this era of, of pseudoscience, you know, I, I worry that this kind of stuff is exploited by people marketing these, these products. And, of course, that's exactly what happens. Right? You know, after the Rio Olympics, you had all these practitioners offering uh, plus, uh, cupping for a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, real, real ailments that, where it, it, couldn't really, it couldn't really help. So there is that balance. On the one hand, I get the placebo effect, the desire, and you can't really blame the athletes for doing everything they can to, to try to perform. On the other hand, you don't want misinformation circulating. Uh, in popular culture, and and the placebo effect, you know, the cake, cake, the tape, the taping is another fascinating. Oh, the kinesio taping that was yeah. more popular in uh, on Olympics back, I don't know, twenty sixteen or something. Oh, it, you still see it though. You see it everywhere. You know, you see people have the, the tape all over their bodies, and no effect at all. In fact, there was a really interesting study that came out last year, uh, British Journal of Sports Medicine. Where even with stability, you know, you people wrap their ankles with this stuff to try to give themselves more stability, maybe they have a slight injury. No benefit, no benefit. So it really is amazing how, how this stuff takes off and, and, and it takes hold. What about IV hydration? That one intrigues me. Yeah, so, uh, the, you know, it, it's actually, you can't hydrate with the IV in the Olympics um, because of the potential for masking agents, but athletes do this all the time. You certainly see professional athletes uh, will get IV hydration before an event or perhaps during, you know, halftime or something like that. Again, no evidence to support it. You know the best way to hydrate? Drink. Drink. <laughs> well, I mean, IV hydration is prohibited by the anti-doping agency. Not that they're going right. to find it on you. I don't know how they'd find it. They'd have to look for a needle mark, I guess. Well, you know, you know how they find it? They find it because of the um, little bits of the bag. They can detect that in your blood. 
And so uh, they can actually detect whether I, I actually uh, I'm actually involved with WADA, and uh, they and they can detect whether you've you've used an IV. And and of course the reason that it's prohibited is is not because there's some kind of beneficial uh, effect to to IV hydration. They prohibit it because that's one way you might be able to mask. Okay, I'm already over time, so but I want to get <laughs> two quick quick answers from you: cryotherapy or icing, and vitamins and supplements. Anything to any of it? Uh, so the holy cow, we could do hours on both. I know therapy. No, no, there's not. You know, it's funny. Weird thing is, there's not even good evidence to support icing. Can you believe that? How long has that been around? And with vitamins and supplements, uh, this is a very complex area. But in general, in general, so this is a sweeping generalization. Of course, if you have a clinically identified deficiency, listen to your science-informed clinician. But in general, uh, very little science to support most supplements and vitamins. Okay, Timothy Caulfield, thank you so much. I know that you're an instructor in science literacy at the University of Alberta, and I want to talk to you about that. So we're going to line you up for another show one of these days. But thank you so much for giving us a bit of an insight into those strange marks on the Olympians, and uh, have a great day. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Timothy Caulfield. He's Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy, and he's star of Netflix's A User's Guide to Cheating Death on Pseudoscience.